You're listening to Dialogues on 3CR Community Radio. Every Wednesday night at midnight. Hello and welcome to Dialogues with me, Joe Raleigh. Dialogues is the show where we discuss the big questions about life. This week, I'm joined by Melbourne-based writer and photographer Michael Lindsay Davidson, and we're discussing digital technology. Michael, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So in your writing, you take a generally critical view of technology, but you've made what I think many people would regard as a radical decision by stopping your use of a smartphone Mm -hmm. well you know in your introduction like you said that this program is about what is the good life and really examining that which is an age-old question yeah really and and really much of my writing is about that you know i write about technology but i'm always thinking about human relationships i'm also thinking about what is the good life and for me a better life is a life without a mobile phone. And what I call it, um, being phone-free. Right. Um, and I decided to make that decision in my life it, because I, I, I honestly thought that I would live a better life, a life that was more fulfilling, a, a life that was more in tune with my values. So how, how did you come to that decision? Because imagine it's not the kind of thing where your phone breaks, you decide just not to get a new one. Was there a, a kind of process that led to you saying, no, no more smartphones for me? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think f- for me, I think I, I, I realized the effect of the smartphone in my life. Mm-hmm. And I think it became more of a burden than a good thing. And I'm, I'm of course, like technology in for you know society in general for humans in general have been a fantastic thing and there's no denying that Mm -hmm. um but for me the phone became i guess almost a burden to my freedom Mm -hmm. and to ways i i guess i guess the typical thing we say now is that it became more of a distraction Uh than a good thing um and so i guess i was intensely feeling that because at the time I was quite driven to do more with my writing, to do to do photography, and I still know I had I I knew I had a long way to go with that. Yeah, and I wanted to pursue that um, as best as I could. Mm-hmm. So, I guess for me, putting the phone down was a way to affirm what I wanted in my life and the values that I had. Mm-hmm. And I really haven't looked back since. Interesting. Yeah. So it sounds like you were using it too much and it was a distraction. Um, I I, I recognize that and I recognize that in myself, but I suppose my immediate decision wouldn't be to get rid of the phone entirely or, you know, potentially throwing the baby out with the bathwater. So I suppose I'd just be interested to know specifically how that was actually affecting you and how it was making you feel and, and, you know, what things, what specific things you were actually missing out on by having the phone. Uh, you know, it's been so it's been so long now since I've had a phone. This is uh, a question that's almost almost difficult for me to answer right. because yeah. <clears throat> uh, when I had a phone, uh, I I thought in in a certain way, but now 
I think I think quite differently. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it, I, it, you know, phones produce anxiety in our lives yes. a lot of the time. Um, and I think they teach us to say, be happy with multitasking. Mm-hmm. Um, and we kind of like, that's, that's the way that we think. I think a lot of the time when we use a phone a lot, we expect that that way of thinking to happen all the time or way of doing yeah. uh, becomes normalized, I suppose uh-huh. you could say. Yeah. So uh, I think one of the greatest things that that's changed in my life is that there isn't this reliance on this multitasking way of life. You know, I think it, uh, for me, um, you know, so I, I, I write about this and, and I say like waking up in the morning is, is often was often a haze uh-huh. because I'd be doing, trying to do so many things at once, but I'd be getting nothing done. So I think that was the main thing that um, I didn't enjoy, mm-hmm. that I was very much aware that there were inefficiencies in my life mm. and I wanted to focus on the things that I enjoyed the most because I guess life is short, yeah. you know? So were you struggling to focus on the things that you mm. really cared yeah, about? Ab- absolutely. Okay, so, yeah. so there is that almost like cognitive deficit mm. in a sense. You're not able to do mm. the thing that you want to do mm. and you're presuming that that's related to the smartphone use, which I think is a fair assumption mm. given that it's about focus. And I think I would agree with you. This is, this, this is definitely my key concern about my own use of Mm. certain digital technologies particularly the smartphone is that it it creates this constantly divided attention and we Mm. we talked about this before before we came on air Mm. um that sense of always being somehow logged in Mm. all of the time um and uh, and I do find my thoughts drifting to what's happening on WhatsApp or what's happening on, on mm. Facebook. And, you know, I wonder what's happened with that conversation or I wonder where that bit of planning has got to. Mm. And in the same way that I'll, I'll have those thoughts and, and wonder similar things about things that are going on in the, in, you know, the space around me, it's just that when you've got stuff going on in the space around you, me and you're thinking about the things that are happening happening in virtual space then Mm. you know that's that's two big things happening in Mm. in your kind of uh, field of attention and obviously we're we're limited as sort of evolved apes we don't have unlimited capacity for Mm. attention Mm. and that can only have a detrimental impact Mm. on what the job is at hand in the Mm. outside world yeah absolutely i mean we know that in fact, multitasking is a myth. Mm, okay. You know, that, um, you know, we actually can't do many things at once. Right. In fact, a, a more, um, uh, something like really it should be called task switching because right. we switch between tasks. We're not doing many things at once. Yes. Um, and Maybe you're walking and talking at the same time, oh, but, but there is sort of different like... You know, you're, you're using different parts of your brain. That's that's slightly different. Yeah. That's slightly different. And I think that's what we would typically call multitasking. Mm-hmm. But when you really have to do two, say, um, important or um, difficult tasks, mm-hmm. like you can't do them at once, you know. Um, but the thing is, though, like the more you multitask, the more you get used to working in that way. 
And the more your mind tricks you into thinking that you're actually being more efficient mm-hmm. when in fact you're not. Right. So there's this weird thing that goes on in your mind where you think you're being efficient, uh-huh. you, you're busying yourself with all these things, but in fact you're being less efficient. Yes, there's almost um, an illusion that's created with the busyness, the that's flurry, right. the, the activity, yeah. the content. So, like, oh, well, there's lots of stuff happening, so this mm. must be productive. Mm. Um, so I, I guess in some ways giving up the phone was, I was guarding myself uh, against those, what I would see as inefficiencies in my life. When I knew the things that I valued just took a lot of concentration on one thing. Um, and I, I guess I still value working in that way. Mm. Um, so, I mean, do, do, you, do you think the, the concerns that you're having are specific to you or do you, mm. you know, it's, or, or is this having, or is this kind of constant division of attention having a pernicious effect on lots of people, mm. no well, matter what the personality is? Well, I, I guess psychological studies have, have, have been done. And I guess, I guess I would say some psychologists uh, or academics who do these studies are concerned uh, because of, of um, the effect of technology on people's lives. And one of the things that we were talking about earlier um, is that uh, empathy levels um, seem to be diminishing in people. Right. Um, and psychologists put this down to the lack of face-to-face um, time, face-to-face conversations, because mm-hmm. instead what we have is just a whole bunch of conversations with a screen between us. Yeah. Um, and so I guess, uh, especially for young children in particular, they're not learning to pick up on uh, things that say maybe you and I would have picked up on when we were young, you know, young people, yeah. like saying something and then seeing the reaction and then realizing that we weren't, that we said the wrong thing. Okay, there's that you know? immediacy. Yeah, yeah. I think that's very important. Uh-huh. Um, and so I, as a lot of people who write about these things, these things and a lot of psychologists are, I guess are really worried uh-huh. about generations of children growing up yeah. who lack this ability to empathize with the person next to them. Yeah, That's one thing. Another thing that, um, and, and we're, you know, I think it's it's fairly um, uncontroversial to say that less empathy is a bad thing. Mm. I don't think we need to challenge that particularly. You know, I think generally the more empathy we have splashing around, it's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's how we begin to understand, uh, you know, the person next to us, uh-huh. or and live beside them. That's right. You know. Um, so of course it's essential to being human. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, another thing that I think is worth uh, worth bringing up on a societal level, hmm. and it's what one of my favorite authors on the topic, Sherry Turkle, okay. who's an MIT professor. She's written um, a few books uh, about technology and society. Uh, her uh, one famous book that she she wrote is called Alone Together, mm-hmm. and she published a book recently in in 2015 called reclaiming conversation and it's a really really fantastic book and i can't recommend it enough and one of the things that she speaks about is that it seems that young people today are resist talking face to face or even on the phone Uh so they'd rather send a text message or send you an email Mm 
Yeah. And we all know we, we get so many emails, you know, every day mm-hmm. um, in the workplace or just personal, uh, personal emails. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the reasons for that is because a lot of, um, a lot of people just don't want to have face-to-face conversations or conversations on the phone. Well, why is that? Is it because it's easier to send a message? Because there's a kind of a barrier of anxiety in speaking to somebody face-to-face. A little bit anxious when you first meet mm. somebody or, you know, if you want to ask someone on a date, for example, to use the, you know, obviously dating is mm. a big issue when it comes to digital technology at the moment. Um, mm. So there's that barrier, whereas perhaps that that just first initial little barrier is not there with, with technologies. Is it that? Yeah, there's a term that um, writers on the topic use and it's called friction-free. Okay. Like it's a friction-free interaction right um so when you send an email you have a long time to compose it yeah compared to coming up with the words on the spot yes um so that that would be friction free that would be friction free sending a text message is friction free yeah because you, you know um you can say what you want to say and say it perfectly uh-huh. every time yes you know essentially but when you make up words on the spot, you know, I guess you have to improvise with what's in your head and you might seem stupid or something. Yes. Like which is just typical. Could come out. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Which is just... <laughs> and it we- often does. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess what, what I say is that that's the nature of speech. Yes. And why don't you just embrace that? Oh, yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, though, a lot of people do suffer from anxiety. Yeah. From... Um, from thinking about even just thinking about having a face-to-face conversation and i think this is really detrimental and it is detrimental in fact to the workplace because they found that if people have face-to-face conversations they're actually more efficient yes. than having than sending you know like 10 emails to resolve something right they could just resolve something quite quickly in a conversation yeah but it's funny because you think that these devices in front of you um would lower anxiety would make things more efficient. At least that's how they're being sold to us. You know, yeah. you can't do without this. You can't do without this device. Like once you have it, you know, it'll. You know, you can use the maps. You'll never get lost again, and so forth. Um, you can communicate with someone instantly. But the thing is, though, it's the type of communication. You have to think about. You know, what is the most efficient type of communication in the long run? And in fact, it's probably not the text message right. to a colleague yeah. or the email to a colleague when they're right next door. Yes. You know? Yeah. Perhaps there is something overly, overly seductive about being able to connect with anyone at any time or, you know, mm. being able to swipe for someone you think is attractive at any time in the day. <sighs> mm-hmm. um, and and that's overpowering. And and. Yeah, and that's you know that's where the addiction thing comes in, where people mm. start to have obsessive thoughts and compulsive actions in relation to their phone because the power of the technology, the kind of alchemy that 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 has with with the human mind and the way that it's constructed is mm. is just you know too much to control. So there are, there are actually mm. unseen these unseen negative effects of using that technology. Mm. And I think I intuitively knew that when I gave up my phone. <clears throat> You know, I don't think, I, I, I really don't think, I truly believe this. Like, I don't think I could have just said to myself, okay, I'm only going to use my phone between 
12 and 6 or something like that yeah. and put it away somewhere. Like, I don't think... Why not? I just don't think I would have had the willpower. Right. I think I just would have been too weak-willed, you know, and I, I think you're right. I mean, they're, they're so seductive and they're so well-designed oh, to be seductive. Yes. You know, that's like recently I was thinking about this with email and... Uh, wanting to receive emails, you know, from from people because this is actually how people communicate with me now because it's it's all they it's can how, communicate so, with me, you know. It's how we communicate. Yeah, that's yeah. right, <laughs> that's right. But the thing is, though, like often it's, people, it's the one channel in. That's the one channel in. But the thing <laughs> that's is, quite though, nice. Yeah. Well, you think it's nice, right, Joe? But the <laughs> thing is, though, you, it's like all you have, and so it becomes actually intensified. Okay. Um. Um, and I would say that there is, at the moment for me, almost like the addictive tendencies, like for sure, that I was experiencing with, say, wanting to receive a text message or checking my phone okay. and so forth. I'm still experiencing that to a degree with email. Uh -huh. I think it's easier to control because, you know, I can walk out the door and not be able to check my email. Yes. You know, because it's on my computer. Yeah, but, and, um, and also it's just one thing that you're checking. You're not having right. to, yeah, it's not it's not WhatsApp, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, mm. and whatever else that you're having to keep track of. Mm. The, the thing is, though, like this is this one thing becomes a big deal, right? You know, and and all your friends start communicating with you through email as well because yes. it's the one channel that we have in common besides ringing my home phone, which in fact never really happens. Because no one talks, as I said, anymore. Yeah. No one, besides like really good friends of mine. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But I have to remind them all the time, you know, call me, call me, you know. Right. That, that's what I prefer. That's nice. But. So what are your, what are your email checking habits now? What's your behavior in relation to email? Well, um, you know, like I check it in the morning. Uh -huh. um, and then I guess once every few hours, which is probably not a lot compared to the amount of times that people check their For phone. For sure. I, I mean, I don't know what the stats are on how often people check their phones. It's mm. probably obscene. It's a ridiculous amount. It's a ridiculous yeah. amount. And you just you don't even need stats anymore. You can just look in public mm. to see the amount of, of to see the amount of people like how they check their phones. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. It's I, every few minutes. Like that's that's you can just see that just for yourself. It's yeah. every three, it's every few minutes. And the fact yeah. is I pr I probably don't notice it anymore because it's mm. so commonplace. And so, and people do it for different reasons. I've yeah. realized. You know, if someone pulls out a phone and your phone is in your pocket, I think people do it to fit in in some ways uh -huh. or, oh, or, or to feel not alone in that moment because I, I mean essentially if someone pulls out their phone and you know checks Facebook or something they're kind of blocking you off yeah you know effectively from the conversation but yeah. then if you pull out your phone you seem busy and you seem connected in other ways so you disconnect with the people around you but then you connect with other people online yes. You know, and so, that, that's the weird paradox about mm. it. I mean, it's so many times I've been in a room with multiple people, mm. and the correct thing to do in that circumstance would be to speak to one another. You know, it, it may mm. well be strangers in, in whatever kind of context, but generally you'll see, you know, pretty much every time now, if, the, if there's not a really pressing thing on the agenda yep. with those people, 
the default thing to do is for everybody to be checking their phone, mm. probably organizing some kind of future social event, probably. ironically. <laughs> yeah, probably. And, you know, we're here now, guys. We could, mm. we could do something here now. Mm. Um, and if- I, and I, I wonder what, you know, often what people are doing when they, or what's going through their mind when they do pull the phone out to check it. Mm. Because I'm talking about myself now. Mm. Often mm. I notice that, it's I'm not taking the phone out to look out for a particular email or to do mm. a particular search mm. or, you know, wondering if if so and so's commented on this. It's just checking for the sake of it. Mm. And I think we get into the habit so much of checking our phones for answers to things that mm. actually we check our phones when the question is, what do I do now? Yeah. Do you I mean, know that, what I mean? that is the phone is the answer. Exactly. To, to, yeah. to the to what you're feeling, which is probably boredom, right? You know, where or if there's a lull in conversation and you, you're not willing to stick it out, or sit in silence, you know, the answer is the phone to yes. occupy that time. Because I think um, one of the things that I've been thinking about lately is really like what is this addiction that we're talking about, and we're not really um, addicted to what's on there a lot of the time. We're kind of addicted to the flow of the rate, you know, the, the information that we expect to be coming to us all the time. Mm-hmm. So the flow of information is, is what we're addicted mm. to in some ways, if you want to speak in those terms. Yeah. Um, like uh, I've kind of read it, it's not a perfect comparison, like say a heroin addiction and a phone addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, there, is an, there, are, there are elements of addiction Absolutely. for sure. And so what you're saying I think is completely true, that we're not looking for one thing. But what we are wanting is to see something and see it at a particular rate. And do you think we ever actually get to see those things that we may be looking for without really knowing what we're looking for? Because people Mm. talk about getting the likes and, and, you know, the red notifications. Mm. And perhaps, you know, five, ten years ago when I first used Facebook... Mm. I rem- I do vividly remember getting a bit of a thrill, a kind of status thrill in mm. having things liked and commented on. Mm. But it, it, are, is there any is there actually any reward now for checking your Facebook newsfeed? Mm. I mean, I, I'm compelled to look at my newsfeed. Probably it's it's the first thing I do in the morning and mm. almost the last thing I do at night, mm. which makes me feel depressed saying that mm. out loud. Um, but I never get any joy from it. I never get any pleasure from it really it Mm. probably makes me feel worse Mm. so why am i doing it well i think i think you must be getting probably a dopamine hit from it Mm. um even without you realizing it like perhaps it's perhaps it's like um drug use in some ways where like the first time you use a drug um it seems amazing and then gradually maybe the the effects kind of are not as strong right. on you, but they still work. Yeah, I suppose. Uh-huh. So you could and look it, at it that it's way. It's having a sort of insidious negative effect mm. on your life. Yeah, that's probably maybe declining. that's maybe that's actually the perfect <laughs> metaphor in some ways. Yeah. But you know, I think that's why you check it in the morning, because because you need it. Oh right. You know, okay. uh, and that's why your your brain like switches, yeah. like for you to check it in the morning. Um, that's because, why, I mean, that's it, why it's it, the first thing you think of. Yeah, because you need that little kick. Uh, it's just like coffee. 
mm. you know, in some ways, you know, like some people can't function without coffee, you know, and I think I would say most people can't function uh, if they're if, if they expect to see something on their phone yeah. in the morning to be to be updated yeah. about certain things or to see what their friends are doing or to see how many likes they got. Yeah. I mean, we know that seeing likes gives you a, a neurochemical hit, yeah. you know, because it's social, it's new, mm-hmm. you know, some of the time it's really exciting. Yeah. Um, so, but the, the, but the fact is there are lots of positives in using this technology. So, mm. so there are blurred lines between using it and it being pernicious and, addictive and probably mm. pointless and ultimately destructive taking that that kind of drug addiction analogy yeah but at the same time it is actually allowing you to do lots of wonderful things so obviously you know i'm from the uk i'm from england mm. um been in australia for <clears throat> about nine months now and i have never really truly felt homesick because i've always mm. been connected to my family and friends mm. um that feels like it's a good thing. Mm. I mean, perhaps it's it's it would be a more authentic experience, typically or historically, to to go away and and have less frequent communication with with friends and family. But missing something is kind of a negative emotion. And you know, if I have the desire to speak to them, I'm able to, and and that's that's nice. It means we can keep up to date. And that's just one example of how it makes things easier. Well, I think it's the best example, especially for social media. And when people ask me, you know, um, what do you miss from social media? Um, and I usually say, well, not much. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but they say, they usually say, it's such a great way to connect with people overseas. Right. You know? And um, I, I get that time and time and again. And I think I think it is true. And I think, you know, for, for me, especially because I don't have a mobile phone, I think it's important for people to realize that I'm not anti-technology and that I do, I do say as well that, of course, like technology has excellent things about it. Yeah. And the ability to speak to loved ones overseas for free, you know, is, is a relatively new thing and it's a fantastic thing. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I guess why should you feel disconnected uh, from someone uh, who, who who might be living overseas if you don't need to be? And I must admit that I've frustrated a lot of people. Okay. Um, especially you know my parents and my sister lives in the UK. Yeah. And in fact, if I had a mobile phone, it would be easier for her to contact me. Yeah. Uh, so in some ways, it's not an ideal situation. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, you, th- you think that, I don't know, I wouldn't, knowing that, you would think that I would get a mobile phone to repair those relationships or repair those connections. Yeah. Um, so I guess what's, what's important to realize that even though I'm happy with my choice of not having one, it's not perfect, you know, okay. and I don't think anything is really perfect, but I think you have to be aware of the choices you make. Yes. Um, and know why you're making them. So what are the benefits of not having a smartphone? Mm. Well, I think one of the things is that I actually feel a greater connection to the world around me. And I can, I can honestly say that. Right. Because I feel like I don't really have much that's going on in my hands a lot of the time unless I like bring a book on the train 
or whatever. Instead, what I'm left with is just my mind and looking around. And so, in fact, I've actually found it easier to connect with people um, like face-to-face conversations. Yeah. For example, I find that I find that to be quite easy now. And there's actually not there's not much anxiety with right. it anymore. I actually like going up to people and having a chat to them when before there wasn't really a need to. Yeah. But now I kind of feel like it's just who I am. Yeah. And I think I actually have become more talkative. And when I'm with people, I, I kind of feel their presence more. Um. But I, I just, think... just so in, sorry to interrupt, but just so interesting that the first thing you said there mm. when we're talking about benefits of not using smartphone was that you yeah. feel you're able to connect with people better. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's um, so telling in a way. Mm. And I, I mean, and I guess to put this in context, like I was never someone who spoke on the phone a lot either. Mm. And then it didn't, I mean, it didn't happen overnight as they say but i actually really love talking on the phone mm. now you know when when before um i it, usually it was mostly conversations about where we would meet something like that yeah. you know um or very briefly like how are you and so forth and then we get to the nitty-gritty details of what we were doing later and that kind yeah. of thing the phone wasn't really uh, a way to converse to pass time, yeah, to pass time, yeah, or, mm. to, or to have convers- you know, deep conversations about things. But now, for me, it is. But I, I guess that also comes down to my circumstance, because, of course, I'm more, more reliant on that. Mm-hmm. But I think it is telling that, you know, that I, I mean, I can definitely say that I enjoy it. Mm. I enjoy talking on the phone, and I literally speak for hours to yeah. some of my friends when before I never did. That sounds really nice. Well, I think it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what kind of impact has it had on your, on the relationships you already had, like friends and family, for example? Mm. Has it changed that in any way? Because I suppose I would be concerned that I'd be missing out on stuff, um, mm. you know, missing out, uh, potentially missing out on on get-togethers or, mm. or birthdays or just generally keeping up with people. Mm. It is, it is um, a good point that you bring up. Um, I, so, I sometimes feel that, say, in the arts, in, in the arts scene, so much of that is administered online as well, that in fact, some things like I have missed out on simply because I didn't know they were on, yeah. because the avenues that people use to promote these things is online. Yeah. You know, and like I've definitely missed out on things that I would have liked to have gone to, um, but that's that's only that's that's purely because of my my own I guess resistance to to be involved in some ways in you know say email news feeds, yeah. Facebook news feeds and, and that kind of thing, and like I've been saying, like if if you're going to do that, if you're going to cut yourself off, you can't be frustrated that yes. you. That you're missing out on things because that's why you did it in the first place. You know, you know what I mean. It's almost like you want to miss out on things. You know, <laughs> I sure, yeah. yeah. And yeah, as you say, you've done it consciously. You're aware mm. of mm. all of the factors involved, and you've made a responsible decision. Mm. At the same time, it's very, you know, not having not having a mobile phone has cut me off 
from people in, in some ways. Um, it has alienated myself from from people. Like I saw one of my friends, uh, he had read my piece out of service, um, which is the piece I wrote recent, uh, which was recently published in the Lifted Brow about not having a mobile phone. Right. And he was on his phone texting um, when I went up to him. Yes. And the first thing he said was, don't judge me for texting. You know, so people think that I'm out to get them, (laughs) you know, but I'm not, you know, I'm I'm not. um, You know, one of my friends recently said, you know, is is, is constantly worried that I'm looking at her and judging her for her phone use. When in in reality, I'm actually quite accepting of it. So I think you're you're right that if you don't do something, people are going to think, oh, no. You know, that person is looking at me. Yeah. You know, so in some ways that's alienating in itself. Yes. You know, and I have to tell people, you know, do what you want. Alienating yeah. for you. For me. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Because they are standoffish. They're not, they're not welcoming. Yeah. You know. And that's understandable from, from their point of view. Mm. Um, but then actually that makes me think that maybe it would be understandable for you to actually have some negative thoughts and feelings towards other people. I mean, mm. I know that I do. If, mm. if I'm on a train or, you know, public transport and I look around and I happen to not be using my phone at that particular point and inevitably everybody else is, mm. my my reaction is to despair a little bit. You know, I, I do, I have... Yeah, it's it's not a nice feeling, and and perhaps that converts into negative thoughts about those people. Like nothing extreme, but oh, so you're saying <clears throat> you you judge them for their phone use, or or, or the collective phone use because everyone yeah, is on a phone. Yeah, it's more of a collective thing. Okay. perhaps yeah. not the individual, but it it does make me despair a little bit, and I and I wonder in your position. What now that you're not doing that kind of stuff? Now that you're 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 not following that cultural trend, what is your attitude to other people mm. doing it? Well, it, it's it is a strange experience for me to to see that because um, I do catch public transport quite a lot, um, and uh, even at the start of my piece, I write about getting on a train because I, I mean, public transport is where we use mobile phones the most. I think um, mm-hmm. it's it's either that or you know, like waiting for a bus. Or, you know, just it's just any moment mm. where we need to fill time. And it's often it's, the context where we we mix with other people. Yeah, people we don't know, and I yeah. I, I think the, the the phone is a shield in in that circumstance. It protects yeah. us yeah. from awkward interactions yeah. with people. I think it's more of that, that friction-free yeah. stuff. It's almost like on public transport, you get in your own zone and you don't disturb others. Mm-hmm. And I think with the mobile phone, that's just making it very visual mm-hmm. you know, for all of us. That, But really, we're in the same circumstance. Um, okay. And really, what we're trying to do is block each other off mm. and then get to our destination as quick as possible without disturbing other people. Yeah. But I, I'm with you there that it seems quite scary that we're all doing, I guess, we're all using the same or similar device, yeah. and, you know, to, and it, it's something very, I don't know, like dystopian yeah. ab- about it. We're like, it seems like we're a whole bunch of robots yeah. essentially doing the same thing um, to pass this awkward moment. 
Yeah. And I guess the question is, like, does it have to be awkward? Is it awkward? Yeah. I'd say it's it's not. But no. I think maybe we it's easier definitely for a lot of people. Maybe maybe we've learnt yeah. that that that's how we pass the time. Yeah. And so without the phone it's not as easy. What you're actually doing is deleting a whole kind of part of existence, i.e. boredom, that boredom mm. part of ex- boredom part of existence that we were talking mm. about. And well, for, you know, what I've what I've read about boredom is that it's a really important time for for creativity and for Mm. developing new thoughts and ideas and it's Mm. quite a fertile and useful space it's certainly not a bad thing Mm. and i think boredom is is almost the first casualty in when it comes Mm. to the ease of smartphone use yeah absolutely i mean i I think that's one of the things that um, i've discovered and i guess i i really want to rehabilitate in some ways, is 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 the understanding that boredom and, and solitude is a, a really great thing, you know. Like solitude is the beginning of creativity, yeah. as they say. Um, and when you bombard yourself with being constantly connected, you do, I guess, you do buy yourself from the, those moments of of, of feeling solitude, yeah. and uh, and all the positive things that come from that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the things they say about solitude and boredom is that it's it's really a moment where you start to reevaluate who you are as a person. But if you never get into this state of of, of evaluating who you who, what your sense of self is, yeah, you know, you you never really develop as a person. So, uh, I think that's the danger of being constantly connected and, and bombarding ourselves with news feeds of various kinds. Yeah. Um, is that perhaps you never grow. You think that when you look at things constantly that you're learning, and I suppose you are, but I question whether you're learning the right things and especially learning the right things about yourself, whether you have an opportunity to to think about yourself. Mm. And I, I wonder if that lack of checking in on ourselves that relates to increased use of smartphones and digital technology, if that's more, is that more about actually a resist, just a a natural resistance or hesitancy or disinclination to be reflective and to be in a state of solitude Mm. and that smartphones help you um, ignore or, or escape that natural fear perhaps or is it just more about the addictive aspect of the Mm. phone that you just you just don't have time to check in on yourself or is it a bit of both it must be a bit of both but i think the the phone definitely uh, and what's found on the phone to say to be more specific about it teaches you to think in certain ways Um, like one of the things that i found when i gave up my phone was I, i realized i was thinking in these kind of very fragmented, in this fragmented fashion. Right. And I, I think that was the most confronting thing for me yeah. is that I had this ongoing monologue in my head of status updates. Yes, yes. And I would just say to myself, uh, oh, oh I, I gave my housemate Cam some cookies. Oh, do you, do you mind if I give you some cookies? Like, like these kind of things to 
to my girlfriend, you know, like these, these ridiculous, these ridiculous comments that, you know, don't, are just meaningless. Yeah. But when I gave up my phone, I was still going through this, these meaningless status updates, Okay. you know, and I, the thing is though, with the phone, like it does teach you to think in certain ways. Yeah. Um, and there's only, a, and also it's important to realize that, um, because we get a kick from these things that we share and from the messages that we receive back, I think you, you get into this loop of sharing certain things yeah. as well. There's only certain things you can share on certain media. And perhaps those are the dominant things that you begin to think about all the time. Yeah. You know, so I think uh, social media and, and our phones and the, you know, these things that we found, we find on our phones shape our thought in particular ways. And I think, I think for me, that was really confronting. And maybe for a lot of people, that's scary Yeah, to think that this device is shaping how we think, mm. but in ways that we don't even know. Like I wouldn't, I wasn't even aware of that until I gave up the device. Right, really? Yeah, I wasn't aware of it. Interesting. But as soon as, soon as I gave it up, yeah. it just hit me. That in fact, this is what I've been doing for years. Gosh, because I think yeah. the classic example of that change in in kind of thinking is, you know, taking photos with the intention of sharing that photo rather than perhaps enjoying the thing that you're taking the photo of, and then deciding, yeah, I'm going to take a photo of this to record mm. that that I so that I can look at it later. No, you become so used to taking photos of things just to share them, just for the expectation that people will be looking at that and commenting on it and perhaps liking it, mm. that actually that becomes the dominant concern at the time that you're taking that photo. I think that seems to be an example of how thinking has changed that people are talking about. Yeah, I think there's there's you know lots of very subtle, very subtle changes. Yeah. Um, but I think it's very interesting that you bring up the the whole like photography like that group photography moment because it happens in my life still you know people are still taking photos in front of me to upload to share with all the people online yeah um i guess i enjoy those moments those kind of like selfie moments in some ways when i'm when i'm a part of them and i, I of course i'm i feel removed mm -hmm. from seeing all that stuff online um but it, i guess it is a very strange thing to to have an audience with you mm. the whole time yeah. and whether you are in the moment, whether you're capable of being in the moment yeah. when you feel like this audience is on your back. Cause I think that's how I felt um, when I was uploading stuff um, using my phone onto social media yeah. is that you do things for your audience. That's essentially, it. That's it. you know, instead of just for yourself, you know, for me, like I use, I use analog cameras, like I use film cameras. And for me, that's very important. Yeah. I mean, I love the feel of my film cameras. Yeah. Right. But also, I think it makes me concentrate just that little bit more because I feel like there's more on the line mm -hmm. with using my film cameras. But also, um, it's, it's funny when you use something which is completely analog because I think it puts you... Uh, it makes you concentrate on the subject as well. I don't know. It might be just a very personal thing. Um, it seems to connect you more with what you're doing. 
And I kind of wonder with all these photos that we're taking on our phones, right. whether we're really connecting with the things that we're taking photos of. Right. So is that because with an analog camera, it really is just you, the camera and the subject, mm. whereas with a digital camera, just by the nature of the fact that the image is stored in ones and zeros and that that can be sent wherever, that there is that other um, dimension at play. There's that kind of shareable, instantly yeah. shareable yeah, dimension yeah, at play. So it's, yeah. it's not just you, the camera and the subject, it's mm. this whole other world. And that is inevitably going to come into how you're interacting with the camera and the subject as well. Yeah, absolutely. Like I think you've really you know hit the nail on on the head there. Yeah. Also, you know, with with digital cameras, it doesn't matter matter whether it's an iPhone or whether it's you know like a new Nikon or a Canon. Um, the ability to share that digital file, yeah, is so easy, and and you can do it so quickly. Yeah. That I think it does change the nature. Yeah. of it in some ways yeah. Yeah. um it does make you start to think about sharing it quickly yeah you know and i um and i suppose that might not necessarily be a bad thing you know variety mm. is 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 good in lots of ways and perhaps you can use a digital camera sometimes and you can use a analog camera other mm. times um but i suppose we were talking about how these changes in the way that we think when we use certain kinds of technology have may have negative a negative impact on the quality of our lives mm. i mean do, do you have any concerns about where society is going in terms of how individuals are thinking differently and then how that kind of plays out on a societal or an interpersonal level can you see any of those changes ha happening now or any changes that have happened in the last few years that you're concerned about? Uh, I guess I have uh, numerous concerns. Um, but at the same time, I, I think we, we live in a space at the moment and the certain you know conversations that people are having about technology are also really positive because you know these conversations that we've, we've had today, uh, you, you could say you, you could say they're actually really positive because we're conscious. We're clearly conscious of what these things what these things are in our lives, mm. and we're having a critical discussion about them. And this is something that a lot of people are having, and they know the the effect of the technology in their lives. Um, you know, people always say to me, "Oh, I use my phone too much." Mm -hmm. You know. And so people, people are really aware of that. So I think we've come to a stage mm -hmm. where we can come to really critically evaluate the use of mobile technologies, you know, in our lives and perhaps change things about, about our own lives and about the device themselves. So, and so, so on one, on, on one level, I think we reached a point as a society where we can make a, we can change things for the better. On the other hand, one of the things that I'm most worried about are these uh, is the drop in empathy yeah. for in young people in yeah. particular. And that there was that one um, long-term psychological study on college students in the U.S. where they found that um, like the study has been going for 20 years. 
and they found that there's a 40% drop in markers, um, empathy markers. Wow. Um, in college students. Yeah. And much of that, much of that drop has happened in the last few years. And what the researchers found, or what they attribute to it, is that the of increased screen time um, okay. that we have between people. So, and and uh, that's presuming that in the last few years people have been using their phones more, or is it to do with the generation that's coming up into that study who are more used to using technology because they're younger? I. I it's sure there are multiple factors yeah i mean i think it's, it doesn't matter what generation you're from i yeah. think it just comes down to how much you use technology right but the positive but one of the positive things is that it's not like you are marked forever with your inability to empathize with someone because mm. apparently that if you stop using your phone for say five days then you you become more empathetic, okay. believe it or not. So it's not like we're turning into robots. Yeah, you know, and it's uh, the cure might be simply to put down your phone. Right. I, I what I call it is is a technology fast. Okay. Okay. So, uh, people often say delete their Facebook mm. for a little while, and they might you know say to their friends on online first, mm. I just really need a break. Right. I just really need a break. I don't think this is a positive thing in my life. And I'm going to go on what I call a technology fast. Okay. So I think a lot of people are doing it. Yeah. Um, and and I think people need it mm-hmm. because I think it is very it is very powerful. And it, maybe it's like too powerful, this force yeah. in our lives to be yes. constantly connected. And people do need a break. And they may not have like a... a you know, they might not give up their phone completely, but they still give up a little bit, you know, for a little bit of time. I think it's also a, a little bit too early to tell, mm. like with younger generations, like what's really going to happen yeah. with really young kids, you know, growing up with iPads in yes. their hands. Um, I mean, anecdotally, uh Speaking to you know older teachers, it, you know it seems like, it, like it seems like there's there's an increase in say um, attention deficit disorder yeah. and that kind of thing, and uh, I mean I can't I don't know any statistics about that, but I guess that would be the worst case scenario right. where we have whole gener- whole generations of people mm. with those kind of um, disorders mm-hmm. because of being exposed to these devices, which reinforce multitasking, you know, yeah. in our lives. Um, so I think th- I think that would be the most the worst thing yeah. that could possibly happen. So yeah, you know? so that that would be like a, a kind of decline, and and mm. that would say, yeah. But I suppose I suppose I have a fear that it just means that we'll kind of change a lot as a mm. species. Just in the way that we we think and interact, and it'll mean something very slightly different every day to be a human. Mm. And you know, as someone who's spent a few years being a human and kind of trying to get used to it, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I sort of have a vague sense of what it's all about. And the idea of that changing is quite scary, but obviously inevitable. Well, I think the inevitability is is very you know, true point. Yeah. And it's something that 
with every generation, uh, people worry about. I mean, yeah. they said the same thing about you know TV, and I'm sure they said the same thing about about radio. Yeah, um, it's one thing that uh, Marshall McLuhan spoke quite a lot about is about you know essentially how we have these technologies in our life, and it's basically like this machine which is existing around us, and there's no way that you cannot escape the influence of this machine right. on your life. And, I, and this is this the new machine in our lives is this mobile technology, okay. which is all around us. It's influence, influence, influencing the way you, know, you think, the way you interact with other people, what we spend our money on. Yeah. Uh, it's influencing so much like what we see in the street, you know, the shop fronts that we have, even, you know, what gets our attention. Yeah. Um, and when he was writing, he was mostly, he was talking about TV and radio. Yeah. Right. Um, and he's, he's said that it's inevitable that the technology is going to influence us and it's going to change us. And every technology does. I mean, the book changed us. Printing mm -hmm. changed us. Mm -hmm. So... My immediate reaction to that is it's going to change us and we're going to think in different ways. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's necessarily negative. Yeah. But it is going to be different. Okay. It is going to be different. Yes. We have a choice about how it changes us. Mm. And, and part of that, part of what's involved in making that choice is the process of reflecting on what it's doing mm. and making conscious intention decisions to keep some things and not keep other things. Yeah, absolutely. Which is exactly what you're doing. Absolutely. Like I would say that the things, I mean, I, val I value a literary life, like absolutely. And I want that culture to exist, like not only in the world, but especially in me. You know, and I, I I want to be a literary person, and that's what I that's what I value. That's what I get a, a huge kick out of. You know, like reading a book and discovering new ideas, writing something new, some, writing something that I never thought um, that I would write before. I get a huge kick out of that. Yeah. You know, and um, so I suppose that I, I I want that culture to continue. Yeah. And I don't think it's going to die away. Like, absolutely not. I mean, there's some theories, like uh, some some theories, some theorists have said that um, you know, literary culture will not die away. Mm -hmm. Instead, it might become maybe more esoteric, maybe as it was, you know, maybe like 400 years ago or something like that. Yeah. But, um, you know, there's multiple cultures existing at once. Yeah. Uh, even, you know multiple technologies can exist at once you know like there's a been a revival in vinyl uh, i think at jb hi-fi i heard that vinyl is their biggest seller right you know yeah. um and so it's and it, and some people think you know it's not the technology it's 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 clearly not as perfect as a cd as a digital recording yeah you know it's it's an imperfect medium in some ways but people love it yeah for various reasons you know so I don't think we should be completely despondent no. that that the world is changing for the worse because I think there'll always be, say, for, for me, like a, a literary culture. Yeah, and I think yeah. we have to have 
faith in the fact that those things that we do value dearly, like literary culture, mm. you know, anything else that we might fear is is going to be lost with the rapid advances in digital technology. Mm. We have to have faith that that actually those things are important enough that we keep them because mm. they're fundamental parts of who we are. And we will just have to see how it goes. <laughs> exactly. But um, yeah. no, I think, unfortunately, we've probably come to the end of our time. Okay. Um, but I'm, I'm really glad that we had this conversation. Okay, thanks, Joe. Thank you very much. Thanks. You've been listening to Dialogues on 3CR Community Radio 855 AM. You can download the podcast by searching for Dialogues on your podcast app. And email us on dialogues3cr at gmail.com or find us on Facebook. Just search Dialogues 3CR.